You know, we're at a turning point in our series right now on truth. We're calling it, Let's Get Real. The reason is, is we've learned that truth means reality. A reality that you can rely upon and that you can build your life around. And so far in this series, we have kind of learned a little bit about how the postmodern world looks at truth, the world we live in right now. And the more we understand that, uh, the wiser we can be in navigating these days for ourselves, as well as to impact others for Jesus. But we said this series started out of a verse that really uh, formed our agenda in a board meeting in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. And just to understand the context of this chapter, this chapter is talking about different groups of people that surrounded and helped and supported King David. And we get down to this part, and these are the sons of Issachar, and evidently they were special consultants to the king. Because these were men who understood the times that they lived in with knowledge of what Israel should do. And so as we look at this passage, we see that these guys are what you would call cultural exegetes and biblical exegetes. They were skilled at looking at the times they live in and be able to understand them accurately and they were able to look at God's word and understand accurately what God would want the people to do in those unique times. And so that's driven our series. And so far we have seen and tried to understand our times. This morning we're taking a turn in that. And now we're going to try to better understand God's word, the source of truth. My, my goal in this is not necessarily to bring specific truths that apply to living in these days. The whole book is full of that. <laughs> my, I'm going to be talking today about the nature of this book, the Bible. And um, I'm going to tell you right up front where we're going. We're going to see this. These are the very words of God. This is a unique book. And uh, we're going to understand that a little bit clearer today. And then in weeks to come, I'm going to seek to uh, help us understand, you know, the Bible we're going to see this morning tells us it's the very word of God. Well, if I was to stand up this morning and say, I'm God, you would say to me, "Uh, what proof do you have of that? (laughs) That's my claim. And the Bible's made a claim. And so we're going to be looking in weeks to come other proofs that this book is the word of God beyond just the fact that it claims it for itself. And so stick with us the next few weeks after that as we're gonna understand the fingerprints of God are all over this book. And we're gonna understand a little bit more about it. And my goal, hopefully, if nothing else today, is that we respect this book like never before, that God will take us to a new degree of respecting and responding to the very words of God. So that's where we're going to start this morning. What does this book say about itself? And let me tell you, there's going to be a a lot of PowerPoints used this morning uh, because we're going to move pretty fast. There's a lot, you know, if we took time to try to look up all the passages, we kind of lose the rhythm of what we're trying to say. And so there's going to be a lot of PowerPoints that'll be used. We'll look up a few passages. 
but uh, so I'd encourage you, maybe uh, you might even want to download the notes off of the webpage about midweek. That's when they're available. And you can have those notes for yourself and review those passages. So uh, don't be surprised at how quickly we move through passages this morning. But again, they'd be available to you online. First of all, the Bible claims to be the very words of God. It calls itself the word of God. Look at this in Ephesians 6. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit in our battle with Satan are the very words of God. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, for what it really is, the word of God. That is big. <laughs> if nothing else, that passage alone is big this morning, is that those who received what Paul said and what he taught from the scriptures, and that happened to be the Old Testament scriptures he taught at that time, that they didn't receive it as, as a book that was written by men, but actually as the very words of God himself. 1 Peter 1, 23 and 25 says this, for you've been born again, talking about our salvation, not of seed which is perishable, but is imperishable. That is through the living, enduring word of God. This is God's words. The very gospel message that we learn in the Bible is a message that doesn't perish, it's imperishable, it's living, it endures because it's the very word of God and it causes us to be born again. It's got the power to give new life. For we're not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. God uses his very word to bring people to new life. But then he goes on in verse 25 and says this, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. It's the word of God. It's the word of the Lord. This is what was preached to you. This is what we brought to you. The very words of God. When the prophets spoke in the Old Testament, how did they start? Thus says the Lord. We see that repeated over and over and over again in the Old Testament that the prophets and the words that were recorded were the very words that God told them to speak, that he carried them along with and had them speak for him. So thus says the Lord, these words in this book are God's words. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter three. I think this is the strongest verse in the whole Bible that speaks to this. Second Timothy, then I want you to stay there because uh, we'll be there for, we'll be coming back to it in a few minutes. But Second Timothy 3.16, see some are still turning, I want you to get there and see it for yourself. 
says this, just the first six words. All, note the word all. All scripture, all scripture is inspired by God. Two words that are very, you know, we use a lot, but let's, let's explain them. Scripture, you know, it's scripture is the Greek word for writings. And so when we use the word scripture, he's talking about that which is written. It's the written word of God. And what he's saying here is that all of the written word of God is inspired by God. Now the word inspired means this, God breathed. I love the song we sang this morning, good choice. I'm sure that was intentional. When God spoke, you know, and, and his breath, a hundred billion galaxies were born and it talks about, you know, just the power of God's word. And, and you know what, when we speak, we breathe. It's the breath of God. It's the words carried by God's breath. When you go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says that no prophecy is the result of a choice of man's human will. I didn't choose these words is what they're saying, but rather they were men who were carried by the Spirit of God. They spoke God's words. And what he's saying here in Scripture is, uh, let's think about a sailboat for a second. And you got the sail there. If there's no wind, what does it do? It stays right where it is. Or it could even float a little bit over. But when there's a wind that comes and it carries it, and this is what the scripture's saying, the very breath of God, the wind of the spirit, the spirit and breath, the same words, the very breath of God, the very spirit of God, like a sail in a boat, took these human writers and drove them exactly where God wanted them to go so that when they were done, the very words they wrote were the very words of God. If God had the pen in his hand, these are the exact words he would have wrote. He took human authors in their unique personality, their unique uh, writing styles, everything about them as humans, and God breathed on them with his breath. And if he was breathing, if, you know, if the wind's going north, where does the boat go? The boat goes north. If the wind's going south, the boat goes south. If the wind's going west, the boat goes west, right? So when God breathed on these men, he breathed on them the direction that he wanted them to go. And that was the breath of God took them to the place that the things they wrote are the very words of God. Just like this, the wind carries the boat. You know, I'm such a creative illustrator. I brought a napkin. As I was reviewing my notes, I was having my peanut butter toast and coffee, which I have every Sunday morning because I love it, and the peanut butter's got to be thick. And so I said, hey, what a great illustration. I hope you love it as much as I do. But notice how the, the breath of Pat Peglo just took that where he wanted. And that's what God did with these writers. The breath of God took these writers exactly where he wanted them so that when they got done, the words they spoke were the very words of God. That's why these words are so important. All scripture is inspired by God. All the writings are God-breathed.
All of this that is written was written by human authors and their unique personalities and their own writing styles that were carried along by the Spirit of God to write the very words that God wanted written. These are the very words of God. It's a unique book. That's why I call it Holy Bible. What does holy mean? Unique? One of a kind? What does Bible mean? Book? This is a holy book. This is a unique book. There's no other book like it in the world because there's no other book in the world that are God's very words. This book is God's words. And you know what? It claims to be God's word and it also claims to be words of truth. Now that's what our series is about, truth, right? And we learned that truth is reality and it's a reality that you can rely upon and build your life upon. So I want you to see in scripture that uh, the Bible claims to be the truth. It's called the truth. First in 2 Timothy, verse 15, as he's challenging Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Now, are you surprised it's called the word of truth? Whose truth? God. <laughs> Jesus is the truth. Not, God is not just one of many truths. He is the truth, the par excellence truth, the greatest of all truths. The, you know, he is the ultimate truth. And so if it's called the word of God, who is truth, to be called the word of truth is no surprise because God is truth, right? Wouldn't you expect that if the God of truth bore along people by the wind of his breath to write the very words he wanted written, wouldn't they be words of truth? And so he's told to study diligently these words of truth. We see the same thing in James 1. And again, we, I mentioned this early, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. God uses his word, not just our lifestyle, but he uses the word, his word, the word of truth, the exercise will to bring somebody to salvation so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. So this book is called the word of of truth. And we find that it also tells us what we read in this book is truth. Look at in, um, where am I? John 17. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Well, you know what? If we're sanctified, if we're made more holy, uh, sanctify simply means to make more holy. It's breaking down the power of sin and Satan in our life and building more of the life of Jesus within us. Sanctify them in truth. Okay, where's, where can I find the truth? Thy word is truth. Look at 2 Samuel 7, what it says. Now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are truth. Psalm 119, 160. The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. I love that. When you add it all up, 
you take all of God's words and you take, it's, it's the truth. Here is where we find truth. When you add it all up, when you take God's word, and by the way, you want to be very careful not to cherry pick God's word. Remember we said Satan's an expert at taking things out of context, even from the Bible. But when you take the Bible in its context and what it's saying, it's truth. And the sum of God's words are truth. And so the Bible claims to be God's words, the God of truth, the very words of truth. And in this book, we find claims about our origin. That's creation. Now, there's other views out there on that, but when we say this is what God says, I, I take what God says. <laughs> creation. We find in here uh, claims about the very nature of God and the very nature of man. And we find in here claims about where we've come from and where we're going and why we're here. So this would make this book not only the most unique book in the world, the one of a kind, no other book like it because it's the very words of God, but it makes the most important book we will ever read because it answers the most important questions we can ever ask. Brothers and sisters, this book is a holy book. It's one of a kind. It's the very words of God. We need to invest our lives in getting this book into our lives. And so basically, again, what does the Bible claim? It's God's words. It's truth. And I just want to talk about some of the benefits of this holy book. I, I trust you're still in 2 Timothy. I told you, uh, if, if you remember, keep your finger there. When I think of the benefits of this book, I cannot help but go back to 2 Timothy verse 16 of chapter 3. We just read it, all scripture, all the writings, all of them, New Testament, Old Testament, all the writings are God-breathed. They're all the result of God pushing upon man and carrying him to the place so that they're very words of God. And then this, now he says, and they're profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So bottom line, this book teaches us what we need to know. It warns us or convicts us when we get off the path of what we should know and the way we should live. That's what a reproof is. Gets in your, whoa, wait a minute. That's not the way to do it. Now I'm off the, so here it is. It teaches me how to live and I'm starting to walk because this is the way that God has taught me to walk. And so I'm trying to walk a straight path, which I couldn't do if I tried with all my life, but I'm gonna do the best I can. So I'm gonna to try to walk a straight path, and then all of a sudden, man, I get off the path. 
for through some kind of whatever that knocks me off the path. And you know what God, God's word taught me how to walk and now I'm off the path and guess what God's word does? It confronts me. It reproves me. It rebukes me. It says, Pat, this isn't the way to go. This is the wrong way. Well then, okay, Lord, you're right. But then what does it do? It corrects us is what the passage says. So now I'm off the road, and for people that are believers in Jesus that have lost their way and they're off the track, where do I go? The Word of God tells me, how do I get back on the path? And now the Word of God has taught me how to get back on the path, and now how can I stay on the path? I need to be trained. That's what they do uh, for a professional. You train so what you do comes easily to you, and so now the Word of God is going to train me on how I can stay on this path and continue on the path. That's what this passage says. This is what God's very words are profitable for. It can teach us how to live our life. It can warn us and rebuke us when we're off. It can teach us how to get back on the track and it can help us stay on the track. But then he goes a step further. Why does he do that? Verse 17, so that the man, the woman, the teen, the child of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You know, just to stop and look at the words, they're so rich. Adequate. What's inadequate? Not enough. He's more than, boy, Josh, you really did good picking your songs this morning. He's more than enough. Always, forever, more than enough. And you know what, guys? Isn't that the problem? We feel inadequate. God wants me to do this, but I don't feel like I'm enough. There's something lacking. If I just had more Bible school, or if I had more courage, or if I had more skill, or if I had more training, and you know, so we're always, we always are saying to ourselves, we're never enough. By the way, let me encourage you. That's a gift that God wants to use to remind us to depend upon Jesus and his word. Because Jesus is the one who makes us adequate as servants. His word is the one that makes us adequate. So this deals with me as a person. I don't feel I got what it takes to be what God wants me to be. And what he's saying here is his word, that this word is used to make me enough. And then he says, equipped for every good. First one talks about the person the second one talks about the equipment the person needs. A carpenter, he's got the skills to build a building, but he needs the tools to do it too, doesn't he? And so here he's saying here is as God's word is able to work in you in such a way as to make you enough and to give you the tools you need for every good work that God would call you to. This is an amazing book, very profitable Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's see again a little bit of the value of this book. Peter's a few books behind here. First Peter chapter 2, we just saw. We just saw a, ver a couple verses from Peter that we've been born again by the word of God, right? <laughs> It's a seed that's imperishable. I love that. By the way, the imagery of the word being like a seed, what does a seed do? 
it, it, it goes into the ground, it dies, then it brings forth life and fruit. And that's what the word of God does. It comes in. You hear the sermon. And by halftime today, you're going to forget what Pat said. But because it's like a seed, you're going to go to bed tonight. And guess what? All of a sudden, the Spirit of God is going to bring back. Oh, yeah, remember that? Remember that? And the seed starts working and starts growing and starts bearing fruit. And so here we got this seed that we're born again by. And then in 1 Peter 2, verse 1, he says, "Is therefore putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babes. Long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. <laughs> Not only are we born again by this book, this is the book that causes us to grow in our salvation and continue to be less and less of Pat Peglo and more and more of Jesus being displayed, less and less sin and more and more of holiness. You know, the list goes on and on. Growth, where God is doing something inside of me, miraculously transforming me and changing me. And so this book not only has the power to bring new life, the power to grow that life. And he tells us here that we should be setting aside our sin and like a baby, a newborn baby that longs for that milk, we should have a deep longing for this word to get into our lives so we can grow by it. Let me give you a couple other things. We saw a few minutes ago in Ephesians 6 that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. We saw in Matthew chapter 4 that when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan and battling with death. What do you say? It is written. It is written. It is, he was referring to the scriptures, the very words of God. And so we know that this book is profitable for our warfare with the devil. It's one of the divinely powerful weapons that God has given us for the destruction of the fortresses. How about, here's an amazing thing in this holy book we find the promises of God. Now, you know what promises are? Let me put it in other words. It's God's commitments to you and me. That's what a promise is. It's God giving me his word. He's giving you his word that he's gonna do this. Some of them say, if you do this, I'll do this. Some of them, he just says, I'm gonna do it irregardless of you. They're called conditional and unconditional promises. But the point is this. Promises are God's commitments to you and me. Do you even know what they are? Because Peter tells us it's by these precious and magnificent promises that we are able to escape the corruption that is in the world by lust. And God has given us these promises in this book. He's revealed to us things that he's committing to us on his own word. How about in John 8, 31 and 32? This book, if you stay in it, and it stays in you, by the way, it's not just you getting in the word, it's the word getting in you. And we need to learn to spend time in this book and in such a way that it's not just I, I'm getting in the book and dissecting the book, rather the book's getting into me and dissecting my life. You following me? And so he says this in John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, 
then you're truly disciples of mine and you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Where do you learn? Where, where do we find truth? Right here in God's word. And Jesus says, if you continue in this book, you're gonna discover the truth. And the truth is gonna set you free. Now I love this next one where Jesus and John, this is worthy of a whole sermon someday. Because Jesus was confronting the Pharisees because, you know, who knew the scriptures better than the Pharisees? Not many. <laughs> Not any, maybe. You know, and so these guys, they knew the scriptures, but they missed the heart of the scriptures. And not only did they miss the heart of the scriptures, they looked at the scriptures as an end in itself. And when this book is really pointing us to God and what he has to say. And look at what Jesus said to them in John 5, 39. You search the scriptures, the writings, because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these, these written words of God to testify about me. Then Jesus goes, if you come to me, you find life. And so the Bible is the book that we learn about our God and we learn about Jesus, who is our all in all, according to Colossians. That means he is everything you need in every situation you face. He is our all in all. What do you need today? Jesus will provide it for you. I can learn about Jesus and what he promises and who he is and who I am and what I need in this book of truth. And this book helps me remember as a great source as truth is in this book and God has elevated his word with all his character, it says in the Psalms. So God holds his word with great importance. Because this book, you want to talk about, we, and the sum total of this book is truth. Well, whose truth? God is. And this is the book that reveals to me Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit so that I know what truth is. So this book is very beneficial to us. <laughs> very beneficial, the very words of God. Then let me just quickly tell you about the power of this book and wrap it up. This book has power. Look at what Ephesians 4, not uh, Hebrews 4, not Ephesians. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword pierces as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Wow. This book is alive. It's active, it's sharp, it pierces to the core of our being. These words enter in, not just in my ears, but it has the ability to go down to the depths of my being, even to the division of the soul and the spirit, and it's able to judge not only the thoughts that I have, but even my motivations. This book is powerful. Listen to what Jeremiah 23 says, and I'm going to come back to this passage in the series, so I'll just briefly say this. Let him who has my word speak my word in truth. 
Because what he's, by the way, he's comparing this with the false prophets who are sharing the dreams they had and the visions they had. And, uh, you know, I don't know why it just came to my mind, but you know how many texts and emails I got of people that had dreams and visions that Donald Trump was going to win the election. And he lost. I don't need your visions and dreams. I got God's word. God is saying the visions and the dreams are like straw. That's what he's saying in this passage. They're like straw. So, where's my word? Speak my word. Don't tell me about your dreams and your visions and what's in your heart. Tell me what's in God's heart by preaching his word. That's the context. We'll come back to that. But Because that's when he says, what does straw have in common with grain? This is this is whole grain, 100% spiritual food, declares the Lord. It is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer which shatters a rock. Brothers and sisters, I got things I need God, the fire of God's word to destroy in my life and burn up. I got things, the strongholds in my life, I need the hammer of God's word to shatter like a sledgehammer coming down on a rock. God's word is powerful. Then we look at this passage, Ephesians 5, so that he might sanctify her. He's talking about the, wife, the husband's ministry to the wife and the ministry of Jesus to the church, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, how? By the washing of the water with the word. This book cleanses us. And when I'm reading this book, all of a sudden it's like looking in the mirror and I go, whoa, I didn't read. Matter of fact, that happened to me this morning as I was getting ready and as I was reading this passage, God really convicted me about a sin in my heart. And I was able to confess that the word of God was cleansing me. It was washing me. It was cleaning me. That's what this book does. And then we look at Romans 12 too. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That means changed at the core of my being. At the depths of who I am, I'll be changed forever by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what the will of God is. And by the way, God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. This book, as we get into it, changes us at the core forever. Then in Romans 10, 17, he says this, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, man, I don't have much faith. I know I'm a believer, but my faith is weak. Well, you know what? Start hearing God's word. Start putting it into your life. And there's something about these words when they get inside of you that our faith grows and it gets stronger. And so faith comes from hearing and by hearing the word of Christ. And then finally, John 17, 17. We saw this earlier. Sanctify them in truth. Before we look at the fact that your word is truth, this word, this truth sanctifies us. It breaks down the control that sin has on my life. It destroys the works that the, devils are, the devil is doing in me, and it builds in the very things of God. Matter of fact, I love it because when you go to Ephesians 5, when it talks about being filled with the Spirit of God and the results of being filled, when you go to Colossians 3, it talks about being filled with the Word of God. And the results are the same. So guess what? 
Uh, my words are spirit and life. When I fill up my life with these words, I'm filling the spirit of God does something in me to fill me and he takes control of my inner being like, like being carried along. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's the breath of God that's leading my life and influencing my life and leading me on where I'm going. The words I speak to you are spirit and life, Jesus said. And when we fill ourselves with these words, the spirit and life fill us. It's a powerful book. And just like the truth, we shouldn't be surprised about this because God is, I'm gonna use a big theological word that I hope I can pronounce right, omnipotent. That means that God is all potent, powerful. God's got all the power, all the authority, all the ability. There's nothing God can't do. So if you got a powerful God speaking words, wouldn't you expect his words to be powerful? <laughs> and we just saw the kind of power that these words, this holy book, this one-of-a-kind book, this book that has the very words of God. So let me wrap it up. Um, we've learned this morning that these words are the very words of God. They're the very words of truth. These words are beneficial to our life and to our relationship with God. And these words are powerful. They're life transforming. So let's close by turning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to go back to a passage. I want you to see it in your Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll close with this. May God grant you and me to always carry this attitude of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, as he says this. For this reason, we also thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, let's say this morning, when you receive the word of God that you heard from me, you accepted it not as the word of men, this wasn't the word, they, they didn't say this is just Paul's words and Paul, and you'd be saying, these aren't just Pat's words and ideas, at least whenever I was faithful to the text. These aren't the words of men, but for what it really is. What is, what is this really? What is this? This is really the word of God, which also performs its work in those who believe. There's the power of God. There's the benefit of God's word. These holy words that are God's words do something in us. They change us. They perform a work that's in us, that, within us. By the words of my exhortation this morning is that we would recognize this book for what it really is. We would receive it for what it really is we would respect it for what it really is and we would respond to it for what it really is, the very words of God. In fact, I love it being in Russia, being able to minister. 
we Americans maybe don't carry the respect for it, you know, so we'd be sitting in our chairs and we'll have our Bible on the floor next to us. That's a great offense to those Russian pastors to put the Word of God on the floor. There's such a respect. These are the very words of God. They handle it with great care. May God give us that ability. And so what does that mean for me and you? I want to encourage you with this. Do not try to squeeze time out of your day to get into God's word. Build your day around God's word. You understand the difference? One says, oh, I gotta find some time. I gotta find five minutes to get into God's word or 10 minutes or half an hour, whatever you want. I'm gonna squeeze some time in today. There's a big difference. I say, I'm gonna build my life around this book. And I'm gonna start my day saying, how am I gonna get into this book? And then how does everything else flow out of that? So the center point of my life becomes getting into this book and building my relationship with God is that this book testifies to me about him and does this life forming work. And so many of us say, I got a busy day, I got a busy week and I'm guilty too guys. So this isn't me, I'm speaking to myself. So I squeeze in a few minutes in God's word. And we need to start by looking at our week, looking at our day, looking at the rhythms in our life and saying, how do I build time with God in his word into my life as the center? <laughs> and then everything else flow around it. And you know what? I want to encourage young mothers. I know you're thinking, this guy is nuts. Obviously, he's never changed a diaper. Actually, I have. But... Uh, but I get it, what it's like to be a young mother and to have a lot on your plate. You know what, guys? I'd encourage you to be intentional to maybe write a verse of scripture on a three by five card. Carry it with you. You know, if you review it, matter of fact, sometimes reviewing a lot rather than just studying deeply for a period of time, you can remember things and they get deeper within you. So moms, let me encourage you, or if you say, Pat, you don't get my life, it's so busy. Be intentional to consider passages that can make an impact on your life. Write them down on a three by five card. Even if you only got 15 seconds to pull it out and review it then, and then I got 30 seconds here and I got three minutes here. I can keep on bringing it back. I can read it. I can study it. I can memorize it. I can think on it, that's what meditation means. And guess what, we even have the gift today of being able to listen to God's word because there's so many apps that have that. Brothers and sisters, may we be a people that respect this book for what it really is, the very words of God. And being wise people, may we build our lives around <laughs> getting into this book. It'll perform a work within us that I have no explanation but God. So Father, I just pray. I pray for me, Lord, because uh, Lord, I preach to myself today as well. And I, I want to grow with a greater respect of this book that I'm holding in my hand. And Father, I want to I wanna be a person who builds my life around my time with you rather than just squeezing in a few minutes. So Father, I just come to you and I pray for all of us. 
I just pray that the Spirit of God will write within our hearts the very message we heard today. And God, that you would do something different within us, that, that your word would get in us, would transform us, would make us more like Jesus, and people that impact the people around us for the glory of God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.